You're listening to the Pursuit of Christ podcast, where we are passionate about developing a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ by taking the truths of Scripture and applying them to everyday life. We hope that you'll be encouraged and challenged as we examine God's Word together today. Good morning, and welcome to our study in the book of Proverbs this morning. If you have your Bible, we're going to be actually back in Proverbs chapter 9 today, and uh, we are going to be looking at Proverbs chapter 9, beginning in verse 7, and uh, we're going to be looking at verses 7 through 12. If you remember yesterday, uh, we actually looked at two different banquets that we see in Proverbs chapter 9. In the first six verses, Proverbs chapter 9, verses 1 through 6, we see the banquet that woman wisdom lays out. And it's a public invitation to all. It, it's a feast that is given in abundance. And anybody is welcome to come and participate at woman's wisdom's feast. But then in the back six verses of the chapter, in verses 13 through 18, we see uh, the banquet that's offered by woman folly. And there, uh, it's a secret, secretive invitation. She distracts people away from their purpose. She pulls them in, and they are tempted. They're tempted by uh, get-rich-quick schemes, uh, by, by criminal conspiracies. They're tempted by sexual and promiscuous pleasures that are there. And the banquet of woman wisdom leads to eternal life. Those who participate in the banquet of woman folly are condemned. And so we looked at those yesterday. Today, I actually want to look at the, the, the middle six verses, verses 7 through 12. And it was interesting because when I was studying out this chapter, uh, there are some people that thought that verses 7 through 12 were actually a later addition to the text. So you have these two banquets, and then you have this piece of it that's kind of sandwiched in the middle. And there are some that think that this was a later scribal addition into Proverbs chapter 9. But if you think about it, it actually helps to kind of logically pull these two banquets together. So we have the invitation of woman wisdom. And then in the middle, we see some of the characteristics of individuals who listen and and take woman wisdom up on her invitation. And we also see the characteristics of some who refuse the invitation of woman wisdom and instead participate in the banquet of woman folly. And so it actually, it, it kind of serves as a bridge between these two banquets. And we get to look at the characteristics of individuals who participate in both of these banquets. So I, I've entitled the, the episode this morning, The Invitees to Wisdom's Banquet. And so let's just take a minute and read verses 7 through 12 together. And uh, we'll get warmed up a little bit as we read the text. And then we'll dive into God's word this morning. It says this, He that reproveth the scorner getteth to himself shame. And he that rebuketh a wicked man getteth himself a blot. Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be yet wiser. And teach a just man, and he shall increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. For by me thy days shall be multiplied, and the years of thy life shall be increased. If thou be wise... Thou shalt be wise for thyself, but if thou scornest, thou alone shall bear it. So let's go ahead and break this down into three sections. First, in verse 7 through 9, what we see here is we see some of the characteristics of the wise and we see some of the characteristics of a scorner. So the author here gives gives a wise man, right? He gives, the, he gives his reader, uh, he gives his reader some advice. 
And so he tells him in verse seven, it says, he that reproveth a scorner getteth to himself shame. So even after hearing the invitation of, of woman wisdom, even after receiving the invitation to her banquet, he says, look, understand that I am trying to teach you wisdom. I'm trying to teach you personal responsibility. I'm trying to help you walk in prudence and I'm trying to help you walk in discernment. But even in all of that, and even after hearing the tremendous invitation provided by woman wisdom, there are there will be some, there will be some who choose not to believe you. There are some who choose not to follow. There are some who choose to go another way. And that's why he says, he that reproveth a scorner getteth to himself shame. And he that rebuketh a wicked man getteth himself a blot. Reprove not a scorner lest he hate thee. Okay, so there are these three lines that kind of work together here. And I think that the idea is, is that unsaved, undiscerning people act like unsaved, undiscerning people. And sometimes we, we want to look at the world around us. And sometimes we want to look at people who are doing certain things and acting certain ways that don't know Jesus. And we want to say, why are we doing that? And we try to correct the behavior. We try to fix the problem. We try to, uh, we, we try to get them to act morally. But aside from Jesus, they can't. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 tells us that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And in time past, we walked according to the lust of our flesh. We walked according to the conversations that we had in this world. We walked according to the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. So what needed to happen? Well, in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4, it says, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace, we are saved. And then he goes on to talk about how God is going to show us the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. But I think it's important for us to remember that we can't fix the behavior of, of unsaved people. We can't fix uh, the way that people behave, we can't fix their thought process ap apart from Jesus Christ. So what I don't think the verses seven through nine are telling us is that unsaved people are unredeemable. I, I don't think that that's what it's telling us at all. I think that if we try to go after the behavior of unsaved people, if we try to go after the behavior of wicked men, if we try to, to if we try to get them to conform to moral standards apart from Jesus, that cannot happen. Corinthians tells us that the foolish man cannot discern spiritual things. So we have to understand that the problem in the world is sin and the answer is Jesus. And so instead of social programs and instead of, of various, I mean, maybe helpful moral things, but instead of relying on that to change people and instead of trying to get that to conform behavior, rather we have to understand that the problem is sin and the only answer to sin is the saving, transforming gospel of Jesus Christ. It's salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And only by that will people be able to be changed and begin to accept wisdom's invitation and to grow in wisdom, to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I think we need to understand that first and foremost. But then look at what he says in, at the end of verse 8 there. He says, rebuke a wise man and he will love thee. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning. So these, for the believer, these should be characteristics that define us. 
listen, if, if I am a believer in Christ and I'm doing something that I shouldn't be doing and somebody confronts me and says, hey, James, you're, you're going off into the weeds here, man. The, you, you've got some issues. You've got some things that need to be corrected. If I'm attempting to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, if I'm attempting to grow in grace and I have somebody that I trust and, and they come to me and say, look at what you're doing. Consider this. You're, you're heading off in the wrong direction. Well, I, I need to hear that. I want to hear that because I want to grow in grace. I want to pursue after Jesus Christ. So when somebody comes and confronts you about the actions that you're doing, if you are a Christ follower and if you're passionately pursuing after Jesus Christ, how do you take that instruction? Because here we're told that a wise man will love biblical and godly rebuke. And not only that, but in verse 9, give instruction to a wise man and he will be yet wiser. Now we understand that wisdom isn't just knowledge, but rather wisdom is the working out of knowledge. So as we're sitting in services on Sunday and we're being taught and instructed from God's word, as we're sitting in our growth classes on Sunday night, as we're discipling with other individuals and the truth is being poured into our life, a wise man, somebody who genuinely loves Jesus and is pursuing after Jesus Christ will hear that and he will not just hear it and gain information in his brain, but he'll flesh that information out in his everyday life. And that there as well is what it says at the end of verse nine, teach a just man and he will increase in learning. So what do these qualities define your life? Do you love rebuke from godly individuals? This is one of the things that is awesome about making disciples, right? Because the Bible teaches us about church discipline. It tells us that those things need to be happening, but understanding that, hey, the bulk of church discipline that happens, happens in one-on-one disciple-making relationships. That's what it talks about with the rebuke. So if I've got a sin issue in my life and somebody comes and addresses that with me and says in a one-on-one situation in discipleship and says, hey, I'm concerned about you. I'm a little, I'm, I'm a little worried about this behavior. I should be able to take that and make the change that I need to. That's correction. That's rebuke. That's church discipline that's happening on a one-on-one basis. And in a church that is passionate about making disciples, 98% of church discipline should happen on the, in, in the one-on-one disciple-making level. And that's what it's talking about here in verse seven. So how do you take biblical rebuke? Do you take it? Do you love it? Do you use that to help you grow closer to Jesus Christ? Are you increasing in wisdom through instruction as the truth is poured into your life? Are you taking that? And then are you fleshing it out? Are you being just a hearer of the word or are you hearing it and then actually doing it and putting it out into practice? And then finally, are you, are you being taught and are you increasing in learning? So those are the qualities that he lays out in verses seven through nine. And I know that those are some challenging thoughts for me as just as I was thinking through this and studying through this. And uh, I, I hope that those are encouraging and challenging thoughts for you as well. And then we come to verse 10, and verse 10 really mirrors Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7, uh, which is really the theme verse for the entire book. And what it does is it reminds us that true and genuine wisdom cannot come apart from the truth of God's word. It can't come apart from the self-revelation of our covenant-keeping God. So in verse 10, he says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. So again, we're not talking about wisdom in the sense of philosophy. We're not talking about moralism. We're not talking about legalism, but rather what we're talking about is if you want to be genuinely wise, you need to passionately pursue after Jesus Christ. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Are you living your life to pursue after Jesus Christ? Are you living your life in his presence for his pleasure? 
That's the question. And that is the fear of the Lord. So are you growing in your knowledge of God? And then are you allowing that knowledge of God to transform the way that you live in your everyday life? And then in verses 11 and 12, he gives a couple of final admonitions here. He says, for by me, thy day shall be multiplied and the years of thy life shall be increased. And so this is a promise of blessing for those that pursue after wisdom. And when you think about wisdom's banquet in verses one through six, those that participate in that banquet will be blessed. And those who exhibit these qualities in verses seven through 12 will pursue after wisdom's banquet. They'll go in that direction. They'll stay away from woman folly in her banquet that leads to death. So understand that with obedience and with the pursuit of wisdom comes blessing and comes prosperity. And then in verse 12, he ends this section with a plea and with a call for personal responsibility. He says, if thou be wise, thou shalt be wise for thyself. But if thou scornest, thou alone shall bear it. Oh man, as I was thinking about that, how often in my own life if I, am I like Eve and Adam, uh, Adam particularly, <laughs> but Adam and Eve in the garden? When God comes to them and uh, when God comes to them and he says, look, why, why have you done this thing? And Eve points at the serpent and says, hey, God, it's his fault. And then he turns to, he turn, he turns to Adam and Adam says, oh, not only me, it's her fault, right? And they go and they start blame shifting and, and they don't take personal responsibility for their sin, but rather they try to take that and they try to pass on responsibility for others. And how often in my own life when things aren't going my way or and I, I act in a way that is unwise, do I try to point the blame at somebody else? Well, it was these circumstances that caused me to, to blow up at that person. Oh, well, it was this that caused me to snap at my wife. Oh, it was this that, that caused me to make that poor choice. Oh, it was, it was this that, that made me do that. And we're just so quick to point the blame at other people and try to blame shift and say, oh, it was this or this or this or this. But what Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 12 tells us that, hey, if thou be wise, thou wise unto thyself. Take some personal responsibility for your own actions. And if you want to be an individual that's wise, you need to take it upon yourself to pursue after wisdom. And if you scorn, it's nobody else's fault, right? You can't look around and say, well, it was his fault. Point at him, give him the blame for that. He says, no, if you scorn, thou alone shall bear it. This is a plea and a cry for personal responsibility. So to sum up chapter nine, there's two banquets. There's two banquets. There's woman wisdom's banquet. There's woman folly's banquet. And you need to make a choice. And the qualities of an individual that choose woman wisdom's banquet, it's, it's an individual that loves correction. It's an individual that, that pursues after God. It's an individual that understands that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Those who go to woman's folly's banquet are the, the evil, right? And look at what it says in verse 7, the, the scorner, um, the, the, the wicked, right? Those are the individuals that pursue after woman's folly's banquet. But you have to make a choice. And if you go to woman wisdom's banquet, there's blessing. If you go to woman folly's banquet, there's destruction, but it's your choice and there's nobody else to blame. And there's nobody else in verse 12. If you be wise, go to woman wisdom's banquet, you get the benefits. You go to woman folly's banquet, you receive the destruction. The choice is yours and there's personal responsibility that's involved for your actions and for your decision-making. So I, I hope that this has been a challenge and I hope that this has been a blessing for you as I was thinking through this in my own life. And uh, there's some convicting thoughts here for me personally. And uh, I need to continue to grow and I need to continue to pursue after Jesus Christ in my own life. And I trust that, you'll be, I trust that you will do the same.
But let's not just be hearers of the word, let's be doers of it. So let's take these simple thoughts and let's apply them to our own hearts. Let's drive them into our minds and then let's flesh them out in the way that we live today. Let's take some personal responsibility for the way that we live and for the way that we act today. And we'll give God the honor and the glory for it because he's the one that deserves it. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Proverbs chapter nine. I hope that this has been a blessing and an encouragement to you. And uh, tomorrow, tomorrow we'll jump into Proverbs chapter 10. We'll be in the first few verses of Proverbs chapter 10. So I hope that you'll be back to join me then. And uh, we'll look forward to that and having the opportunity to open up God's word and study it together again. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. If this episode was a help to you, please subscribe and share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.